program this morning. And to follow along with that, happy Father's Day. All of you that are fathers and all of you that have fathers, I guess that's everybody. And uh, so glad you're here. Today we're going to honor two kinds of fathers, both of our fathers, our earthly fathers and our heavenly father. And uh, we're going to talk about that. You know, did you know that the highest revelation of God in the Bible, in the New Testament, came from Jesus, and it was all about the Father. God is like a father. He told us, Jesus told us, that, that, that God is like a perfect father who values his children, who cares for them, loves them, wants the best for them. He's a perfect father. And one of the things that a father does, one of the unique things that a father does, is that he speaks the truth in love. We'll be talking about that theme. Our Heavenly Father speaks, because he loves us, he speaks the truth to us. Sometimes that challenges us. Sometimes that is not comfortable truth. But he he speaks the truth to us. But his motivation is love and the environment in which he wants to speak that truth into your life is an environment of love. So we're going to be looking at that. God speaks in truth and love. He's full of grace and truth. You know that God never lies? He can't lie. It's against his nature to lie. So he's a truthful being, just as he wants us to be truthful in all we're doing. He's uh, also a loving being. He loves us unconditionally. He loves us completely. He loves us when all the time. And because of that love, there are times that he'll speak into our life. And he'll say us, He'll, he'll let us know we're getting off the path. He'll let us know how to get back on the path. He will help us to, to put our lives together with him because he loves us so much. And a good father does that too. And we've got to face it. We all are messed up in various ways. we all got ways we get wander off the path and do things. And we need to get corrected. And we need to get helped in that process. Uh, I've had um, my father, my earthly father, was, uh, was a man who was uh, one of those strong, silent type, hard worker. I never remember lying to us once, just honest, hard working, always kind of went to my games and things like that, always uh, was, was there, was there uh, for me. But he wasn't a real, com- he was that silent type, he wasn't that communicative type that would sit down with me and have long conversations about life and, and, and God and things. He wasn't, uh, he wasn't like that. But I knew that he loved me and he was very, very dependable. And so, um, that was a wonderful thing. And now, you know, not, you know, you know, there's a statistic that 25% of the people in America say that they've never really had a significant in-depth conversation with their own fathers. It just doesn't happen sometimes. And, uh, this is such an important thing. My, my, my wife's dad was, um, his different, all different, all dads have different personalities, you know. My dad was that strong, silent type. His, her dad was very affectionate, very loving, would, would kind of put his arm around her, pat her at the table, pat her hand, how you doing, honey, and, you know, those kind of things. With fun loving, doing, doing camping, and doing those kind of things, and did, did those, those kind of things. But even a dad like that didn't have a lot of deep spiritual conversations and really what's life all about. And so that's something that, that God the Father wants to do with us. He wants to interact with our life. He wants to speak truth into our life. He wants us to, to know him, and he wants to learn us to learn how to interact with our own children as God would provide and give children to us. So we're talking today about speaking the truth in love. This is one of the phrases, one of the summaries of what a father should do, is to speak the truth 
in love to the children. Now, truth may come in form of encouragement. It may come in form of teaching, helping someone to know. My dad did this with me and my athletics primarily in those areas. You know, this is how you pole vault. You're doing this wrong. You're doing that right. Correct me. Help me in my athletics and things. But, but teaching, warning, sometimes correcting, but speaking that truth in love. But it's always to be done. A, a, a good father does that in the atmosphere of love, of acceptance, for the motivation of love. Not just to make my life more comfortable. I'm going to correct you or discipline you, but I'm going to do this because I love you and I want the very best for you. Well, the passage we're going to look at, and it's there on your outline, I think it'll be on the screen here as well, and the one we're going to look at the most today is, is from Ephesians, the book of Ephesians. It's in chapter 4, and it starts out, uh, and I'll, I'll read it and I'll come back and talk, break it down a little bit more. It says, Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, here's our phrase, speaking the truth in love. We will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. I'll break that down. Go back to the slide before this, and I'll break that down. I want to break it down and talk about a couple of things. The first word there is then. The then goes back to what was happening in the passage just before this. Paul had been laying out about how the church works, how the body of Christ works. And he says that he gives certain gifts to the body of Christ. He gives some to be apostles, some to be uh, prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers. These are all people who have gifts from God to speak the truth to speak the truth and to love and to help build up the body of Christ, to help unite the body of Christ and to build them up so that they can grow spiritually and so that the body of Christ can grow on earth. And so he gives that and says, because of that, because he has given these gifts and the body of Christ comes together and everybody's learning how to speak the truth to love in love to one another, therefore, we're to move on to this. We're no longer to be infants. What's the implication there is that we all start out spiritually as infants. We all start out, we're born again, we come to Christ, and we're born, we may be adults, we may be 40 years old, 50 years old, we come to Christ, you're a spiritual infant. We all start out as infants, and we need to grow up spiritually. Uh, the part of our church, what, our, what we do is, as a church, and you'll look on the outside of your program, uh, it, it talks about the, our, our purpose statement there, and it says that we exist to do what? To make disciples. That's how people become believers, to start being followers of Christ, to mature disciples, to grow up in Christ, to become more like Him, to mobilize disciples, to mobilize people, to do what God has called them to do, and to multiply disciples, and to do that here and to the end of the earth. But that maturing is a process we're talking about. We're a, it says that we're no longer the infants, and a definition Paul gives of, the, of a of the infant is somebody's tossed back and forth by the waves. You're about in the ocean and get tossed back and forth and kind of know where you're going there, and blown all, all around by the winds. You're in a sailboat, kind of blown, maybe not in that direction you want to go in. He's saying that's what happens to us if we're not well grounded in the truth. If we don't know the Word of God, we are tossed and thrown. And so we need this truth spoken to us in the atmosphere of love to get us grounded because there's a lot of people out there, frankly, that want to mislead you. They're cunning, they're crafty, they're deceiving. They're trying to get you to buy their stuff to do their thing. And they're they're out there. And there's false doctrines. We are in a information explosion in America. Wouldn't you agree? There's information coming at you from every direction. How do you sort out what's true? How do you sort out what's really right? 
How, what do you build your life on? So you're not just kind of going from one thing to the next and getting in, in this and that. It comes back to the Word of God. It comes back to knowing Jesus Christ and coming back to the Word of God and allowing the Word of God to be your bottom line authority. In Acts chapter 17, it talks about some people who are noble-minded. And a noble-minded person was a person who, who's teachable and open to others, but they don't just gullibly swallow everything is taught. They go back home, and they check it out in the Scripture. They look in the Scripture to see if what the person is teaching is really true. And I encourage you to do that. That's why we give you notes. That's why we give you references uh, in, your, in your program. You can take it home. And don't just take my word for it. I hope you listen and, and learn. But to go and check it out with Scripture, make sure it's solid. Because if it's solid, then you can build your life upon it. It'd be like building your life upon a rock. Be a noble-minded person. It says then, and it goes on to the next slide there, uh, in starting there in about, about 16, it says, Instead, speaking, the verse 15, speaking the, move it up, yeah, instead, speaking the truth in love. This is what we do. Instead of being thrown around and being like an infant and not knowing and going from one doctrine to the next and getting this excited, is you really go back and you allow the Word of God to be spoken to you, the truth to be spoken to you in love. And you speak the truth in love to one another. And then the result of that is that you will grow up. Not be an infant, but grow up, mature spiritually. And notice what it says grow up into. Grow up into Christ. To become more and more like Jesus Christ. That's what he's after. That mature, other-centered person that's not into life for themselves, but into life for others and laying their life down for others. God wants to grow us. It speaks the truth in love so that we'll grow up into Christ. And you notice the last part of this whole verse here, it talks about the body. It talks about every part of the body being important. Not just the ones that are speaking up front, but every part of the body. Taking and doing our role having our responsibilities, speaking to one another, encouraging one another in the body of Christ, speaking the truth to one another. It's something that we all have responsibilities to do, and it's a cooperative effort for us to really grow and to mature and to become what God wants us to be. So, why speak the truth in love? Just going back to this thing, the first reason is that God grows us up by speaking to us in love. That's how God works. He grows us up. The goal of every good father... Those of you who are fathers, your goal is that your children would grow up and become mature. Not just get bigger, but get bigger and healthy, but also become mature in their attitudes, right? To not just think about themselves, but they can get up. You want them to grow up. And that's what a father, that's what a mother wants. A parent wants that from their children. God's game plan, and he is the genius beyond geniuses, right? I mean, he knows it all. God is amazing in the way that he set things up in order to teach children and to teach adults that come to Christ later in, in their lives. But he sets it up that the truth is taught in the family units. You were born into a physical family. That was his intent. And in that physical family, there was this unnatural, because of the, you know, the, the mother birthing the baby and putting the time in it, there, there was this natural connection and love, and there's an environment of love, the dad loving the child. There's this environment, this atmosphere, this nest of love on which that child who comes into the world, comes in with some tendencies that aren't exactly right. They all have them. 
Uh, there are great books written on this, The Strong-Willed Child, and some, some are more compliant, more strong-willed than others, but they all have a, a basic bent towards, everybody has a basic bent towards what the Bible calls foolishness. It's bound up in the heart of a child. It's basically, I want to do my way, and I want to do my thing. It's sort of a selfish, and it's sort of a rebellious attitude. We all have it. We come into it. But he puts us into a loving environment of a family, a mom and a dad, that will love us, and in that process, teach us, speak the truth to us in that loving context to help us to mature. Now, just as God's genius in doing that in the physical family, he also does that for us in the body of Christ. We are the family of God. God is a father and he puts us into a church and we grow spiritually with our brothers and sisters, with one another. And he teaches us, he becomes a father to us in the body of Christ. So that in an environment of love, our hearts will soften. And we'll become open. We'll know that the people are speaking to us because they love us. They want the best for us. And then they'll speak to us and we'll begin to grow and we'll begin to make changes. We'll begin to actually receive the truth into our life because we know we're loved and we'll be accepted. And this is what God has has set up. And it's a genius plan and it works. It's how God changes people's lives. How he kind of drives the foolishness out of us. Environment of love. But then the firmness of of, um, with a child discipline and Things like that. Now, our society's got really messed up with this. The whole thing about discipline. My generation, I grew up with, uh, when, you ever heard of Dr. Spock? Might be too old for some of you, you know, that'd be way back for some of you, probably never heard of Dr. But he was a guy who taught, don't ever, don't discipline your children, don't spank your children. Don't, you know, he kind of was really down on the whole discipline thing. And he grew up, <laughs> and a lot of kids grew up, and they didn't get the foolishness out of their hearts, and they ended up being total rebels and messing up their lives and the whole a lot of stuff came out of that the whole 70s and the drug scene and all that kind of stuff kind of came out of a lot of that mess but uh he's repented now and said no i was kind of wrong what i taught back there but it kind of changed the whole generation uh but uh, he it, it's just god has set up the relationship in a family to be loving so that there also can be discipline and in the body of Christ that we can love one another, we can affirm one another, we can encourage one another to move along. Jesus was like this. Uh, I love this verse. It says, The Word became flesh, and He made His dwelling among us. This is talking about Jesus. And we beheld His glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. You see the same thing there? The grace, that's the love. That's the environment of love. Grace and truth. Jesus was full of both. This is how... God wants to change us, putting us in environments that we're loved and that we learn the truth. This is a method of changing us. It's also what he's changing us into. He's making us into people who can love others and accept them, but then also speak the truth in love and to challenge people. And fathers are especially good at that. Truth also provides stability in life. It provides stability in life. When you know the truth, it becomes a foundation you can stand on. You're not tossed around like those the winds and the waves as we, as we looked at in that verse a minute ago. But you have a solid foundation in God's you Because know, there, there are teachings and doctrines that are floating around that can really mess up our lives today. And there, there's some people who teach that you can come perfect in this life. There's some Christians, some groups. You can just you never have to sin anymore. Well, maybe you never have to, but not that you ever get to that place. That's just a false doctrine. We all have, we have a, a tendency. We're all going to slip up in many ways. We're all going to mess up. We'll see that. In every, and we need to have this relationship with Christ that we continually come back for forgiveness and grace. Uh, there, there's a doctrine around. It's a popular one right now. And probably a lot of people right, that live right near you, work with you, probably believe this teaching, this doctrine. 
And that's a doctrine you don't need the body of Christ. You don't need the church. You can kind of be a Christian and walk as a Christian without other people. Kind of all by yourself. And when you run into a Christian, and it's fine. But you don't really need the body of Christ. That's a common doctrine out there. A lot of people believe that in a society. But it goes def- counter to the scripture. And if you, if you don't have the body of Christ, you just don't have those people looking over your shoulder, loving you, caring for you, providing an environment, and also providing that consistent truth for your life. So there's that doctrine. There's doctrines out there floating around, people emphasizing the end times a whole lot. And there's some stuff in the Bible about the end times, which is great. But some people just overemphasize that, and that's all they want to talk about is revelation and the beast and how many horns it has and all this kind of stuff. And they get spent all their time on that. And they don't spend any time or very little time on the practical walking with Christ on a daily basis, on how to treat your spouse, how to treat your, how to be, how to work. And, and they, we, they get emphasis off. So we need to have stability in life by letting the Word of God change the way you think and building your life upon that. A third thing is that by speaking the truth in love, you can do your part in God's grand purpose. You can do your part. God has a role for you. Some of you, God's role for you may be something serious. It may be an intervention. You know, he's in a TV show about interventions now. You ever notice that? Flip through the channel. I never watched the whole thing. But, you know, the whole show of interventions where a family has to come together and confront somebody who's just about to destroy his own life or maybe destroy his family's life through drugs or alcohol or whatever, whatever other kind of things. Usually those things are in our society. But, but maybe you're the part of that. Maybe you're, you're God's going to be God's tool in somebody's life to know you love them and you need to intervene in their lives. Maybe it's not for a big, life-devastating thing yet. Maybe it's a little bit of before you get there. There's some intervention that God has a role for you to play, to speak truth, to love them, but to speak truth, to help them get back on the path, to get on the, on the, the, the way that God would want them to live. But we do our part in God's grand purpose. And you have a role to play. You have a part to play in this great drama called life. You have lines. There are lines that God has made up for you to speak to those around you. You need to learn your lines. You need to learn what he wants to say, what he wants to say through you to others. He has a, you have a part to play. And it may not be a major part. It may not be coming up here on Sundays and speaking and teaching like this. But it is just as important a part. It may be, like when I came to Christ, it was just a fellow Paul Valder friend of mine. He didn't go into a long, detailed thing, didn't even quote any Bible verse to me. He just opened his mouth. His role that God gave him is to invite me to come to this Christian meeting. All he did is invite me, and I went for this meeting with him. And I don't know why I went. I, didn't, I wasn't the type that would ever guess would go to a Christian meeting. But uh, I went ahead and went. And then when I got there, there's somebody else's role was there to just stand up and give a little testimony about how God had worked in their lives. And I heard a couple people share about how God had worked in their life and what he'd done. And then somebody else afterwards asked them some questions. They had a little role. Their part, their lines were to answer some questions that I had about the faith. And I answered those questions and then came to believe. But it took a lot of people working together to bring me to the place that I would go ahead and commit my life to Christ. And you have a role to play in the lives of people around you. And it's a significant role. You need to find that out and obey Christ in that. Now, let's talk about how you speak the truth in love for a couple minutes. First of all, first base in this is no falsehood. If you want to speak the truth in love, you've got to put off the falsehood. You've got to stop any form of lying and deception and hiding from yourself 
from others, trying to hide from God. How foolish is it to try to hide from God? I mean, he sees everything all through your life. You can't hide from him anyway. He knows. You know, Adam and Eve thought they could. They hid behind the bush that God wouldn't find them. I mean, we, 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 we tend to, to do those kind of things too. We think, but, but first of all, no lies. Don't cover up. The, you know, we lie because we make a mistake and we want to cover up the mistakes so we don't look bad. We lie because we want to, to, uh, to look better and to protect ourselves. And maybe we lie to make a sale. Maybe it's related to our work. There's just no place in Scripture for lying. As a couple of the Ten Commandments relate to, relate to lying. I mean, it's just something God wants people of honesty and integrity. Your word needs to be your bond, according to Scripture. That's how you, what's one of the things. It says, therefore, uh, in the same book, the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, a little verb abuse is on. It says, therefore, each one of you put off falsehood. Somebody says, all falsehood, falsehood. Put it off. Take that off. That's bad clothing. That doesn't look good. That's out of style, according to God's concern. Put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. For we are all members of one body. You know, we're members of the same body. It's stupid for us to lie to each other. You know, to, to tell us some wrong, false information. It's like one part of the body. You know, your back telling your shoulder, hey, something's coming at you. You better duck. So you duck. But nothing's coming at you. You're kind of doing all these kinds of things. One part of the body tells the body. But you're, if you're lying to each other, your body does all kinds of weird things. You need to be speaking truthfully to one another. Honestly, good information from God. Communicate it on to each other. No, no lying. No falsehood. Uh, no flattery. You know, flattery can be a form of lying. Kind of building somebody up for the, for the and you tell them, oh, you are the best set up person I've ever seen. The best set up. Yeah, that, that's, that could be flattery. It's, it's more, he did a good job. And our guys did a great job setting up these chairs today and setting up these curtains and getting the thing. I mean, they, they did a good job on doing their work, something specific. But don't flatter them. Don't lie to them. Be Honest and open. Sometimes flattery can, can be a form of it. Don't break promises. If you promise something, do it. There's a scripture, uh, Psalms chapter 1. It says, A person who stands on God's holy hill, one of the characteristics is that they swear to their own hurt. You know what that means? Swearing to your own hurt. It doesn't mean you cuss and you swear and hurt yourself by cussing. That's not what Swear to your own hurt means that when you say you're going to do something, you're going to do it no matter what, even if it hurts. You're going to be a person of your word, a person of integrity. And that's, God just delights in that. Put off falsehood. No lies. No broken promises. That's very important for parents and their kids. Kids rely on stuff you say to them, and then you don't follow through on your promise. It just, it's devastating to them. A second thing, second base in this whole process of speaking the truth in love is to speak beneficial words. Beneficial words. Words that build up others. Look at this verse. This is a great verse. It's, it's a great verse and it's a convicting verse at the same time. It says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Look, look at that. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is good for helping others. For, uh, no, I'm sorry. A different translation I memorized it in. Come out of your mouth. But only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. That it may benefit those who listen. It may give grace. The word unwholesome literally means rotten. Don't let rotten words come out of your mouth. You know, wholesome, fresh words, truthful words. Think about that. Good, you know, uh, 
your words, are they helping the people around you? Are they tearing them down? We so commonly in our society, we talk stuff, and we tear people down to build ourselves up, and we, we criticize, and we put... We should be thinking about our words and watching out for that. This is a high goal. That's a tough verse. Right there, that's one verse that you can spend the rest of your life trying to get figured out. In fact, James chapter 3 uh, makes a statement in James chapter 3. It says um, it, that no one can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil, full of poison. I mean, we can't tame it, but we can sure try. And the better you do at taming your tongue, setting that goal, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak wholesome words, the better you do at that, the better your life will go. If you could, if you could make it perfect, your life could be perfect. We're not going to get there in this life, but boy, it's it's a powerful tool. It's like it says in Scripture. It says the tongue is like the, the the bit in a horse's mouth. It can move the whole horse in that direction. It's like the rudder in a ship can steer that whole boat, and even a big storm can steer that that boat. Your mouth and words can make a, a huge difference. But it also says in that same passage in James three, it says that the word of God is like a fire. It can burn. It can your words can burn up people. It can hurt people. It's dangerous. Life, Proverbs says that life and death are in the power of the tongue. You always heard, probably growing up, remember that little phrase, sticks and stones will break your bones, but words will never hurt me? What a lie from the pit. (laughs) That's not true. That's a lie. Words do hurt. Word gossip can hurt a reputation and a life and and cause people to, to feel, you know, just have a wrong view of themselves and to resent Words are, are powerful, and they can really hurt. They can hurt someone. So think before you speak. Think. A little acrostic. I want us to look at the, the word think. First question, you know, watch, just got to watch out. Think before you talk. Don't get foot and mouth disease, you know. And watch out for that. Uh, truth. First of all, T. Is it truthful? Everything we say should be truthful. should be right, honest. We've already talked about that. Number two, is it helpful? Is it helpful, not harmful? Think about it before you say it. Because once you say it, you can't get it back. It's out there. It's doing its damage. If it's, if, it's a, if it's a spark, it might be starting a fire. Think about it. Don't play with matches. Don't burn yourself. Don't burn others with what you say. Think before you speak. Is it inspirational? Is it encouraging? Does it build the person up or is it sort of tear them down? We tend to tear people down because we don't feel good about ourselves. We want to feel better about ourselves. We tear them down. We think we feel better about ourselves. But it really doesn't work. I mean, build people up. Encourage them. Don't be that person that's always throwing cold water or criticizing. Uh, is it necessary? Think about what you're saying to others. Is it necessary to say? There's a little phrase here that you think about. It says, not everything that is true needs to be spoken. Isn't that true? Not everything is true needs to be spoken. But everything you speak needs to be true. You speak the truth, but you don't need to speak everything. Sometimes the truth can hurt people. Boy, you look tired today. What happened to you? Boy, you got big feet. Now, I mean, that may be the truth. They may have big feet, but you don't need to say it. <laughs> you, you know, you, there are all kinds of stuff that we can say that are true. That just that truth is just hurting people. When you speak the truth, speak the truth in love. Speak the truth for a purpose of benefiting. Speak the purpose, purpose of building them up. Uh, think about it. Is it necessary? Do I really need to say this? Is this going to help my relationship with that person? Is it going to help that person become a better person? Is it going to really move them along? Or am I just kind of spouting off because I feel it at the moment? Don't just talk your feelings. 
Think about it. Talk what's right and move on. Work, work on that. I know it's not perfect. There was, a, there was something that happened that was kind of uh, comical this last week. Uh, I don't recommend you doing this, guys, but uh, it, it happened, and I was in this situation. We, we were having this conversation in the living room, and uh, the, the lady, the, a husband and wife were there, and she was, she was talking a lot, and she was just kind of going, talking and talking and going on. And then we, we, we finally we had to go. We knew we had some other things we were supposed to do. They just kind of dropped over, and we didn't know they were coming. They were just talking. And so we all kind of looking at our watches and kind of getting up and kind of finding ways to get out of the room. She kind of kept talking. And so we got to the, finally got to the door. But she just kept talking, <laughs> and uh, and then then her husband, the older fellow, uh, his husband, um, he said he, he kind of butted, butted in a little bit, and he made this statement. Uh, he said, "You know, there was one time that I didn't get to speak to Bonnie for for three days, and then she finally stopped talking and got a word in." <laughs> He actually said that. This is a true story. And, uh, and, then, she, and then he said, come on, honey. And he, got, he got her to go. Now, I don't recommend, Diane's always going, I don't recommend you guys doing that. If your wives talk too much or someone around you talks too much. But uh, because he probably got talked to when he got to the car. <laughs> At the end of that, probably got it. Got it but uh, he got all of our attention. He paused. He said, you know, she hadn't talked. and she, I hadn't talked to her in three days. We're all looking. Well, what happened? They get separated. What happened? And then he goes on and says that. I thought that, we thought that was pretty, pretty cute. Anyway, but I wouldn't recommend it. Not. And he probably wasn't necessary for him to say that. He probably could have found another way to rescue us from the situation. Anyway, okay. Um, is it kind? Not cruel. Name calling. There's no place for name calling. Those kind. Of, is it kind? Are your words you're saying. Is it kind? God wants it to be that way too. A third thing. Third base is speak with holy thankfulness. Holy thankfulness. Um, it says there in Ephesians four five, it says, uh, "Nor there should be should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse jesting, um, which is out of place. Rather, thanksgiving. Watch out for trash talk, the dirty jokes." The, the foolish talk, the kind of bragging, the cutting around with the guys and bragging. I can do this better than you. And boy, look what I did. And all, you know, you kind of, it, it, that's just, it doesn't take him. But rather be thankful and uh, express thankfulness and great gratitude to God, to other people, to what they've contributed to their life. Build people up, encourage them. The mouth speaks, Jesus said, of what fills the heart. Trash talk, probably coming from some trash in your heart. You know, the best window into your heart is to listen to your words. It shows you what's there. And um, when you're complaining and grumbling all the time, that's a window in your heart. Your heart is ungrateful. Change your thinking. Change your way of looking at it. Get your heart right with God. See what you really deserve in life and, and, and work with it. But the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. When we were first married... Uh, we didn't know too much of this kind of stuff, and we would we'd get in a little fight, and we'd say stuff to each other we wouldn't like to you know, die and I with each other. And a common thing we'd say, oh, you know, we after we said, you know, we'd apologize. And that's just not like me to do this. I don't know where that came from. Well, the scripture would say, Jesus would say, yeah, I know where that came from. It came from your heart. <laughs> you said it. You said it. It's just not. It's not a no big surprise. It was in there, and it wouldn't have come out if it hadn't been in there. And uh, so we, oh yeah, we have to repent before God and get our heart right. You know, we think, well, that's just not like me. Well, that's not like you if you're under perfect control and under no pressure. But if you're under pressure, with the mouth speaks, what fills the heart. 
And so it gives you a window, and you, know, you deal with the things that are in your heart. The last thing, number four, home plate. Um, uh, speak fearlessly of the good news of Jesus Christ. The most important truth. This is the this is kind of home-based Christianity. It's kind of getting a place that you're really talking about to others how they can come to know Christ. But it's the most important truth that you could ever communicate to somebody else is how someone can know Jesus Christ. How they can be forgiven, how Christ can come into their life, how he can change their life. That is, that is truth number one. Highly important. This life and the life to come, how Jesus Christ can come into your life, forgive sin, can change a life. The gospel, the Bible says, is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. And you can learn to move people towards that. You can learn to share that. It's the most important thing you could ever share with someone else. Um, look at Paul, the window here. Listen to his prayer request that he asked the church of Ephesus to pray. It shows his heart. It shows the heart of a home-run Christian. Apostle Paul, I think people would agree with that. And what he was interested in, what he wanted them to pray for. He says, pray also for me. For whenever I open my mouth, my words may be given me, so that I may fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel or the good news, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. That's a tough thing in a society. It's not popular to share truth with anybody else, to share the gospel, to share that Jesus is the way to God. That's not popular. You need to, you need to have courage for that. You need to pray that God would help you to be fearless and to, to do that. Maybe just to starting off with a, a little bite-sized thing, inviting somebody to come to church with you or come to your group or to go, to go to some kind of event with you, to do something like that. Just take some steps. Begin to share. Share what God's done in your life. He's worked in many of your lives. I know as you've talked about, you've seen the changes. I've seen the changes. You need to learn to verbalize that to others. Help move people towards that. You know, there's an illustration I'd like to close with. It, it was inspired by a movie that I, we watched flipping. I think it was last Sunday afternoon when I was kind of really kind of dead tired. It was uh, po- The Postman. Everybody watched the movie The Postman? Uh, Kevin Cosner? But anyway, it's a it's great scene in the movie. Got, yeah, yeah, it's an interesting movie. But one of the things, uh, it, it, I won't go into the, into the movie, but I want you to pic- picture a, a war scene. Let's say in Europe. When, when it was V-Day and it was Victory Day and we defeated Hitler and, and really all of Europe is now set free because the war has been won. But, you know, there are people tucked away in little villages and mountains and other kind of places that were cut off from all communication that they didn't know the war, the, the war was won. There was V-Day, but they didn't know it. And they were still living in fear, living in problems, living in you know, wondering anybody's come in. They, just, they, were just, it was, they were having a terrible life because they didn't know the war was won. And somebody had to go out to those faraway places up in the mountains, a little backwards, and share with them the good news. The war has been won. You're free now. You're not in a bondage. You don't need to be hiding in the woods anymore. Cut off in communication. You can have that communication. Well, it's that way with, with Jesus Christ. It, it's been, you know, it's been victory day for him when he was on the cross. He died. He forgave sin. He defeated death. He can live in our lives. He can come into people's lives. And we need to communicate that to people because people don't know. Even though they know they could find out about it, but somehow they get isolated. I grew up and I never heard a really, I never knew a real Christian growing up that I know of. Never heard the gospel for 20 years of my life. There are people all around. And that was back in the Midwest. Even more of that, even more of that here. There's people all around that really don't understand this. And there's out of communication for whatever reason with genuine Christians. And you need to penetrate their lives and love them and speak the truth in love. Not weirdly and 
But just lovingly, caringly, invite them to come and look into Christ. Let's look at a prayer, and we'll close with this. This prayer uh, is something you can pray related to this message. Lord, I thank you for the church, the family of God, where I can grow to become more and more like Jesus Christ. Thank you for the atmosphere of love where I can learn the truth. I choose to believe the good news about Jesus Christ and submit myself to following him. Transform my life. Fill me with grace and truth. Help me to learn to speak the truth in love to all around me. I'm going to pray just a general prayer for you. You take a look, keep looking at this prayer yourself and on your own. You might pray this silently to the Lord, the parts of it that, that apply and that, that, that you want to pray. But let's, let's, I just want to pray in general. Lord, I just thank you for each person. I thank you for the word of God. I thank you that you have a plan to change our lives, to mature us, to make us more like Jesus Christ. And I pray that you would do that, that you would just bring all of us into conformity to you, make us more like Christ, help us to speak the truth in love. In Jesus' name, amen. You might look back at the prayer that's written there and just pray that silent to the Lord. You may prepare yourself for the offering coming up and the, um, uh, the card. Be turning that in at the end, too. Take a couple minutes as, we, as they play a little bit of music, and I'll be up with some announcements in a second.